So in the uh, previous reading from last week, um, we, Jesus was uh, dealing with the issue of somebody within the community caught up in sin. Um, and as we talked about, it wasn't like a personal thing, because um, that against you part shouldn't really be there. And um, it, it may be more um, analogous to say like somebody is caught up in something destructive, like addiction or something like that. And here's maybe a process to come alongside them and help them. And then Peter, uh, in today's reading, of course, has to open his mouth. And uh, he then gets personal. So what happens if somebody sins against me? How often should I forgive him? Uh, And then he throws out this number seven. Uh, Should I forgive him seven times? That might seem a little out of left field, but I think it made a lot of sense to Peter. Um, There's some weak-ish evidence um, that uh, that era of Judaism would teach that uh, if somebody sins against you, you forgive them three times. Hard to say, but if that is true, then Paul, or Paul, Peter, is being uh, more generous than that. Jesus then, of course, because he's Jesus, um, has to has to emphasize it even more. Now, Leslie during the children's message said seven times seventy, in uh, so that would be four hundred ninety, unless my math is off. Um, the translation that we read from today said seventy-seven times. Uh, it's actually ambiguous in Greek. We don't really know uh, which one it is. And I think if we um, were having this conversation with a uh, uh, a first century Middle Easterner saying, so which is it, 77 or 490, they would look at us really funny and say, since when was this about numbers? Um, because it's more conceptual than that. Um, it's, it's more of like the totali- uh, totality of forgiveness. It's Jesus' way of cleverly saying, you just always. Um, that opens up a bit of a can of worms. Because sometimes something like this can be misused. Uh, Like if you have somebody who is just genuinely abusive, then forgiveness is one thing. Not being in that situation anymore so that they cannot continue to harm you is a different thing entirely. Uh, That's not really in the equation of what Jesus is talking about here. Uh, that's kind of like, like the, the extreme end. And we get a, a little bit of a sense that the previous passage might actually apply to that. Uh, so all that to say, like, this is not, and don't let this be, a passage um, that can be used against you so that you can just be mistreated all the time. Nor do not use this passage saying, well, you have to keep forgiving me, so I'm going to keep doing that. That's different. Um, this is also kind of a tricky, a, a, a tricky topic um, because it's one thing to talk about forgiveness and forgiving people that have sinned against you, harmed you in some way. Um, if by harm we mean, you know, cut you off in traffic, which here in Albuquerque is just called driving. Um, <laughs> and I came from L.A., man. <laughs> um, it's another thing entirely 
when the thing that people do is really heinous. And it's very easy to kind of sit back and pontificate saying, well, you need to forgive them without having necessarily that exact experience of like traumatic harm. Which hopefully you can kind of feel a sense of the uncomfortableness I have. Because forgiveness is a wonderful thing. It is like the best thing. And it is a core foundation of just who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. But let's not kid ourselves. Forgiveness is difficult. Uh, We're going to explore why in a moment. Uh, To illustrate his point, Jesus tells uh, a parable. He paints a word picture of a uh, guy, some kind of master, uh, who has a slave. It shouldn't be a servant. It's a slave. Who owes him 10,000 talents. Um, Now, first century Judean economy is like one of my things. I'm not going to go there. Um, Except to say that this, uh, that Jesus uses that figure for the gut punch effect. Uh, 10,000 talents, it's very hard to like translate how much in modern day money that would be because money is, money means something different now and it has like different, you have to examine like buying power and, and all kinds of other things. Um, I think it's easier to say that 10,000 talents would represent maybe like the total lifetime earning potential of somebody. So their entire professional lives, 10,000 talents might be a way to represent uh, all the money that they will ever make. So if you're kind of going for like that modern equivalent, it'd be like saying, you know, there's somebody with a lot of power and somebody way beneath him owes him a billion dollars. Now, of course, my my modern brain immediately goes, what did you do? Like, I, I, I I, I can't even imagine like going into a billion dollars of debt like a regular person. I know other people can do that, but they have billions to begin with. That's, that's a different thing. Um, so, when, <laughs> uh, so asking that kind of question is probably stretching the parable beyond what it was meant to ask or answer. And uh, needless to say, this guy cannot repay it. And the guy uh, or his master um, is threatening to sell him because he is a slave, and his wife and children and all of that, because that's how that could happen, um, to at least gain some of the money back. I'm willing to bet he's not worth 10,000 talents, because nobody was. But um, the guy breaks down. He pleads. He's saying, I'm sorry, I'll try to repay it all, which, no, you're really not, unless you are a very highly skilled person. And then maybe... And the master does the shocking thing of he forgives that debt. Now, I cannot imagine, like, like, like it, it makes no sense to me what it would be like to have uh, a billion dollar debt forgiven because I, it's just, it's too large amount of, a, of an amount. But um, say if somebody like, or if the bank wrote off my mortgage, that's a little, I can understand that. 
That would be great. Now, uh, he then goes, uh, leaves that area or whatever, and he encounters a, a fellow slave. And he starts choking this guy because he owes him money. So he's choking him, so maybe he knows jujitsu too. Um, and he's, he's, he's demanding his money, and the guy owes him about 100, den- or he owes him 100 denarii. Uh, a denarius is roughly what you could expect to make um, uh, over the course of a day. So 100 denarii is maybe like a third of your income uh, over the course of a year. Uh, I, I, can't, I can do that. that. That really wouldn't be that hard to go into that kind of debt. It's, it's a much more, more reasonable, and, and especially compared to 10,000 talents, it's nothing. So the guy is demanding that he pay him back. The guy can't, and so he throws him into debtor's jail uh, until he can pay it back. Now, the master hears about this and, as we could tell, is upset. He says, I forgave you, you know, a billion dollars. You can't forgive, know, 20,000? That's ridiculous. You're off you go. Now, um, it's easy to, to the, or the way that this parable is framed, uh, for Jesus it sounds like a warning. And sure, it is. Uh, don't do that. But like any good rabbi, he's embedded something in there that speaks very powerfully to what it means to be forgiven. Um, forgiveness always costs somebody something. If I owe, I'm just going to make up a number, like $15,000 for whatever reason, uh, I can be forgiven that debt if I pay it back, in which case it costs me $15,000 to have that debt forgiven. And by that, I just met the terms of the debt. Um, If the person to whom I owe that money, forgives that debt, it costs them the amount of that debt. So in our parable, the master who was owed 10,000 talents, to forgive that debt, he was willing to take that massive hit. Um, The person um, who had that debt forgiven was not willing to take the hit of that much smaller debt. Because everybody here know, in that parable knows forgiveness costs something. And I would argue that this is true if somebody has hurt you as well. If you, if you legitimately have something to forgive, we're not talking about money, but we're talking about somebody who has harmed you, has sinned against you, then in order to forgive, it may cost you something. It may cost you reparations. It may cost you a relationship. Um, if you sin against somebody, sorry, um, and they have that over your head, 
what might it take to apologize? How are you going to make it right? Um, how is that relationship going to change? You make a, 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 an error in judgment at work, assuming you get to keep that job, what is going to change about the nature of that job, your relationship to the people that you work for? Forgiveness, just by its very nature, costs us. At the same time, um, far be it from me to stand up here with comfortable distance from a situation where something heinous, extremely destructive, extraordinarily sinful has happened either to you or you have done to them and say, well, they just need to forgive. That's not my place. Um, but I will say, and I found this helpful for my, in my own life, to say, what does holding on to that give you? I mean, sure, I can hold on to that unforgiveness, and I can refuse to let it go, assuming that somehow by holding on to it and allowing myself to grow bitter as a result, to let that resentment grow, um, sometimes that, that, that value, that thing that I get to hold on to and hold it over somebody's head or something like that, it's just an illusion, and it's actually killing me. If forgiveness always costs something, I think forgiveness also always changes things. Um, and that, that's the problem. That's, that's the way, that's the reason why this parable works. If, somebody, if you, for some, somehow, uh, owed somebody a billion dollars, and they forgave that debt, you would expect that to change you. And if it doesn't, something has gone wrong. In the same way, uh, as Jesus is drawing this analogy out, if you have harmed somebody, you've sinned against somebody, uh, and we all have, that's being human, and they have forgiven you, it should change things. And what Jesus is particularly interested in is if it doesn't. Now, there's, there's kind of a m multiple levels of like irony here because um, the same is true with the way that we interact with God. If I am God's creature meaning he created me, I am not my own, whether I want to admit that or not. And God has certain expectations for what I do and how I do it, how I treat other people, how I approach God in relation to other things. And I have violated those expectations. I have sinned against God in some way. Um, then I owe God. And 
one of the questions, one of the, 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 the themes that you could thread throughout the entire Bible is how does that relationship then play out? Because it should cost my life. And so the question is then, if God is willing to forgive us, then what is it going to cost him? And as it turns out, the answer to that question is the one telling the parable. See how that irony works there? By this point in Matthew, Jesus is well on his way to Jerusalem. He knows what's going to happen there. He's going to be betrayed, executed at the hands of the Roman government, and that execution, that blood spilt, will pay the debt that God is owed. And as one commentator and poet put it, uh, when Jesus is raised from the dead, the check clears. That payment has been complete. It is over. And so Jesus, the, the, who is the price, like he himself is the price that is going to be paid to make it right, is now telling his disciples with that in mind, go and forgive. Because look at what it cost God. Look at what holding on to unforgiveness is going to do to you. Like in that parable, the guy who had that massive debt um, forgiven, he, he's then going, he's like actually acting violently towards somebody who owes him a tiny amount in comparison. Like hanging on to that unforgiveness will eat you alive and poison you. So why do it? I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying, why do it? It also is, has, has nothing, I, I am not speaking to a situation where someone will continue to do that. Like boundaries uh, and barriers exist for a reason. I encourage them to be used. That's not what I'm talking about. Ultimately, as God's children, our ability to forgive ought to reflect the fact that he has forgiven us. And the fact that he has forgiven us meant it cost God something. And in this case, as it turns out, it cost God the person who is telling the story. And if you are worth that, if you are worth him to be forgiven, then may that spill out into the rest of your life. May it spill out to everybody who has ever harmed you. May it inform the way you approach somebody that you have sinned against. And let it affect and color and um, uh, may it affect and color and richen the way and enrichen, whatever, the way that you approach both God and each other. Amen. As you are able, I invite you to rise.